With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fourth time, Yasmani Grandal is homered against Chase Anderson. And now it's Dozier hitting a fly ball to center. Kane is back at the wall. Welcome to L.A. Brian Dozier. We're tied in the fifth. Are you here by circle? That was a classic Dozier swing on that ball, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Uh, he hit it to straightaway center, but his his eye his eyes don't get big like Polanco's, but they get a little big like he knows. Ooh, I like that pitch, and it wasn't a real high one. It was, it was kind about, of a down belt down, high, but he, down you know, the he, middle. But uh, he looked like a happy man. He had to come out and little take a little call a curtain and... call. When's the last time he had a curtain call? He, did he hit the three here a couple of years ago? We might have gave him a curtain call. Well, would he have gotten one when he hit the walk-off well, grand well, slam? Well, they can't give a curtain call That's true. Call you can't come out there. Out there yeah, beating you're already up out there. At, uh, yeah, you're out Getting there. Getting bubble gum sprayed on you. can't get a you. curtain call on that one. No. Uh, so uh, Dozier starts off with three hits. What was interesting to me is he was batting fifth. He shows up in his first night there, uh, second baseman batting fifth in that lineup. Uh, tells me that they're looking for a little punch, right? Yeah, I know because uh, Puig just got back from yes. injury, and I didn't realize how that, that Grandal, he's a pretty good hitter. I know he's a really good catcher, but yes. I didn't realize he's a good he hitter. Hit. He can swing the bat. Got a bunch of home runs, but uh, good for Dozier. And uh, uh, he obviously uh, needed a little jolt here, and uh, he he's getting one going out there. And you know what? I don't know if the temperature is still 100 degrees out there in Los Angeles, but I always thought all the years I covered the Twins, when I go on the road, no matter how bad they were, there was always a bounce in their step when they went to Anaheim because of the nights, you know, the beautiful, these beautiful blue nights. They start off and under a blue sky, and it's, it's 68 degrees. And mm-hmm. if you back before they put the the football stands up. You could see the foothills out in the back. And everybody wanted to play ball, you know? Same thing at Dodger Stadium. I haven't been there that often. But same thing at Dodger Stadium. There's something about playing out there. And now, of course, with the Dodgers, you got a chance to... Uh, you're probably going to win the uh, win the division and be in the playoffs and have a much better shot than you had last year with the Twins. But... Uh, He's happy. To, I think he's happy to be gone. So you're saying a ball player might be a little bit more encouraged than, say, Tropicana Field on a Wednesday yes, night. Yes, yes, um, <laughs> you, you could uh, you could see the you, you could see the difference. And yeah, or you know, playing here on the second game of the season on when it's 27 degrees right. and the uh, a little wind, bit of a wind, difference wind, here. Snow with yeah. a 14 mile hour wind, which is what it was. I looked it up. Nine degree wind chill. Let's Ugh. go get them, boys. Gross. 
You know what's amazing? I believe that the Anaheim Angels have had one rainout, and yep. the Dodgers may never have had one or might have had one, something like that. Since moving to L.A. 1958. So they've been here. And, sir, you're going to have you know, nice nights. You look at the schedule. That's when you're going to play. And now he gets to go out there and hit fifth, and nobody's reminding him that he's hitting two twenty-two. They uh, they carried yeah. this game on MLB Network last night, and I was I I tuned in. Actually, I tuned in just as Dozier was circling the bases. Okay, mm-hmm. and you look at that. You look at the National League right now. It's them and the Cubs basically. And I think th- this move, if, especially if Dozier gets hot, that lineup mm. is probably just as good as Chicago's. Don't you think? I think it is. Yeah, I you know they're. I don't know who they're. Kershaw's got to Kershaw's got to be healthy and be what he is. That's true. And they got good pitchers. They don't have great ones. The Cubs, the Cubs are. Uh, they they don't have great pitchers either. As long, but all of a sudden Hendricks pitched a really good game last time. If mm-hmm. he gets his act back together, same with Quintana. Uh, if he can Quintana's find it, Quintana's been terrible. Yeah, uh, the Dodgers do have still have your guy Kenley Jansen though on the back end. Yeah, of that he's starting to. You know, remember he was the first month he was terrible. Oh, yeah. What's wrong with Kenley? Well, you know, he's relief, a bit. relief pitchers are the uh, goalies of baseball. <laughs> you know, the good, yeah. the goal, the best goalie. Unless you're Marty Brodeer, you can be good one year and a sieve the next, right? And uh, same thing with closers. They they go up and down, but uh, Kenley Jansen is fantastic. Yes, but good for Dozier. He, uh, he hits the home run. I uh, I got to tell you, I, uh, I got much more feedback uh, on the Dozier trade than I thought I was going to get. Now, I don't approve because they didn't get anything for him. Uh, the feedback in what sense from well, from people readers? People are mad. Okay, I'm mad about uh, Dozier being traded. I he's a little more popular with the public than I thought he was. Now are these people I that were, Eddie was more popular. Eduardo was more. Popular. Do they realize that there's a pretty good op- chance that he was ready to go? Like, oh, I was, think he was. He was ready. He was. He's happy. And as Reavers, we were talking about this today when I was. Uh, before I came on here and did a little rant against what the Twins have done just because there's no foundation left. But it was, this is the one, the hidden part of this that's great for Dozier is there's no qualifying offer. You're, you're, so when he hits the market next, all these guys that were looking for jobs last year, most of them had a qualifying offer like Lance Lance Lynn and those guys. Uh, There's no qualifying offer. It's great for Lynn. Well, he, if he didn't stink, it'd be great for Lynn. But uh, but Dozier, there's no qualifying offer. So Same thing with can, Escobar. He can go out and get. Uh, yeah. yeah. So when you get when the veterans get traded, uh, they there is no nobody can attach a qualifying offer. I still would like to know how much money they offered Escobar. I do too. If you if you didn't offer him thirty six for three, then then I I just don't know what. I I wonder if they uh, if they offered them less than that. So let me ask you this, because you and I disagreed last hour about you know the approach the Twins took at the deadline. That being said, if the Twins are in some way able to re-sign Escobar in the offseason, let's just go just go with me here. Yeah. Do you view that view it oh, differently? Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't even I I guess I'm not as upset about the Escobar trade because they allegedly got something. I hate trades when you could. I don't, don't want you to bring me nothing. 
I hate getting nothing because mm-hmm. then they end up on a roster because you traded for Dietrich Enns. So he ends up on the roster and you lose Randy Rosario because you got to keep this stiff that you traded for. Or, or and you, then you, you take him off the roster later. Or, or, you, or you traded away J.J. Hardy after having him for a year and you got Jim Hoey in return. Oh, and yes. got nothing out of yes. him. Yes, Jim Hoey and okay, Jacobson was the other guy. And that was also, of course, the year that you cleverly brought over the finest shortstop in the history of Japan, Shioshi Nishioka. Mm-hmm. This whole decade can be remembered as the Nishioka era. TK, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, Japanese guy can't play. <laughs> Other than that, we're in good shape. We're looking good. So, but would you agree though that I know you agree that they they overachieved last year. So, is this kind of the approach you expected a year and a half or almost two years ago when this regime took over? No, I had no idea what they. I didn't know that they threw players around like drunken sailors. I gotcha. had no idea. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, um, you know, they're, they're a bunch of guys getting off a Navy ship in the Philippines and going out and chasing hookers all over town oh and getting God. hammered. Jeez. I mean, that's, that's the way they behave. Like, ah, what the hell? We'll get rid of Send these them to five. L.A. We'll get rid of these five guys and bring in five other stiffs. They brought up a guy for one day. What was the guy they got from the Yankees? Haley or Hayes or something. Oh, the, the kid they got for... Um, it was one day. No, this year they claimed him on waivers, pitched him two innings, oh, and that's got right. rid of him. Oh, they got rid of him. What yeah. are you doing? You know? I, Especially with pitchers. Goofy. They've been doing this with pitchers. Oh, they're goofy. They're But they're it's a different way We're to operate. clearing the way for Zach Littell. Yeah, we are. I've seen that, too. <laughs> I've seen that act. I think, you know, the fact that uh, you guys beat St. Patrick, the other night, if he'd pitching for St. Patrick, you still might have been. I think you're right. All right, we'll be back. You and I were talking about uh, how long the PGA Tour has been in Akron, Ohio. It goes back to 1954. The Rubber City Open, it was called in 1954. It was staged at Breath Natch Country Club near Cuyahoga Falls, and it was moved to the highly respected uh, South Course uh, at uh, Firestone uh, a couple of years later. Firestone has hosted a professional tournament every year, including three PGA championships uh, since 1954. At the time of the third edition in 1975, won by Jack Nicholas, that was the third PGA. Firestone South Course was the first to lay out and host the PGA three times. There have been 88 tournaments at Firestone, and uh, only three events, only three venues have had more PGA Tour events. Pebble Beach, the Colonial Country Club, and Augusta National, home of the Masters. Now, here's the deal. This is it. The uh, Firestone Country Club, the Bridgestone Invitational, a new schedule came out. The uh, World Golf Championships, I think we got four of them. We got uh, the one that used to be at Trump's course is now in Mexico City. This thing, which was the old World Series, has been in Akron. And there's uh, the the match play, and I'm not even sure where that is. I think it's in Austin, Texas now. That one's moved around. It was at La Costa and then it was in Tucson, and then there's one in the uh, in the Asia. Uh, 
that's uh, so there's four of these, and apparently FedEx, which is the sponsor of the FedEx Cup, the biggest sponsor that the PGA has, PGA Tour has that they they sponsor the whole championship, uh, you know, the whole points race for tens of millions of dollars, and they also sponsor the event in Memphis, which is the home of FedEx, and they told. The uh, they told the PGA Tour basically they were not going to pick up that sponsorship when it expires if they did not get a World Golf Championship, a bigger event in Memphis. So they basically hooked this one out of Akron because Bridgestone was dropping its sponsorship. So they hooked this one out of uh, Akron. It's going to be held in Memphis next summer. Uh, hot. Steamy Memphis oh, next summer, yeah. But uh, so the Bridgestone, you know, Firestone will no longer will not have a golf tournament. Akron won't have a golf tournament the first time since 1954. Now there's some uh, speculation that the senior PGA, which has been moving around looking for a home, might end up being played there. But that would be probably be a poor substitute. Because when they play this tournament, they get the best players in the world. You know, the gets, old World Series. So it uh, to quote Lee Elia, to quote Lee Elia, it gets hotter than bleep down in Memphis <laughs> yeah. in, in the summertime. Yes, it I've does. been down there in the middle of July. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm not sure if the it it might have been moved up to earlier in the summer. The whole schedule got mixed mixed around. Does yeah. that have a real big impact on on the field that they get the 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 hot weather like that? Because I remember you mentioning Washington D.C. a couple of years ago, and how some guys. Yeah, that was the Fourth of July, and you know, they if a they didn't. I think if you want to go somewhere and play on the Fourth of July, you don't want to go and be miserable, sure. which is uh, <laughs> what, what Washington. And uh, I think there's also, you know, all that patriotic stuff going on on over the Fourth of July in Washington made traffic and congestion and everything miserable and people just stop playing in it it'll be interesting to see how we do with it next year uh with the 3m open as 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 has been said repeatedly this the the tour schedule is like five weeks earlier next year so this event when the 3m first 3m open is held july 4th through 7th there will be more. They'll have a better field than they had this year at the uh, Greenbrier because people will be looking for FedEx points, you know, because okay. you, you're running out of time. Sure. But you're still going to maybe get five of the top 20, something like that, five or six of the top 20. Is that usually what you shoot for? That, well, that kind of number? I mean, you'd like more, but, uh, you know, it depends upon, you know, there's plenty of good players, but you, you know, you want Dustin Johnson or. Tiger or somebody, you know, you want one of the big boys to show up. Rory won't be here. Rory will be over playing the Irish Open, which he's been hosting. And those guys uh, would be in a position where they wouldn't need points. No. Well, generally speaking, but there's, there's next year, again, this is getting a little goofy, but they're going, they now have the three playoff tournaments and then the the top 30 go to the third championship. Mm-hmm. Next year, they're only going to have two playoff events and then go to the tour championship so they cut used to be okay 125 players made the first event and that was the one in boston i think and then then 100 made the you know 100 after that first event then 100 played in the next one 
and then 70 played in the next one. Well, they're going from 125 to 70. So they've, there's, mm. there's only two events. So as many points as you can have piled up going into that to keep you in the top 70 will be a motive to, motivation now, did for they, people to play. Why, why did they eliminate one? Uh, they, they got the schedules all cramped up because they wanted to get away from the NFL. Oh. They wanted to end the end the season before the NFL, before Labor Day and then they can have a much longer fall season. Okay. Today at Bridgestone, uh, the old Firestone Country Club played very easy, and Eldrick was rolling it, man. He got the five under. He made about a fifty footer, and I saw him make a twenty five footer, and the speed on that putt was immaculate mm. it went in it had one roll left in it when it went in it was right on looked like everything was great that got him to five under the leader was seven and then in 17 he hit it a little crooked but made par he almost made a birdie putt he missed yeah, it by just a yeah. little bit and then on 18 he hit it over in the junk and made bogey so that's become his tradition for his great rounds he can't Finish them. Mm-hmm. Uh, over in, uh, when he shot his 66 in Britain, he uh, at the British Open, he sputtered right at the end. He One of them, he, on, on, on a birdie hole, he made par. You know, one of, one of the birdie holes that he made par. Mm-hmm. He, he's uh, he's still, boy, the, the putting looks good. The short game looks good. But when he gets that driver in his hand, he's still 50-50. You know, and this is a golf course. If you hit it crooked, you're in trouble because there's big old trees, yeah. which Joe approves of, even if a <laughs> lot of other people don't. So, but anyway, Tiger uh, played well, and Mackie is like a little kid when <laughs> I know he came. Tiger's right playing really well. good. He'd rather have Tiger win another golf tournament than the Vikings win a Super Bowl. I think I you're think. right. Phil yeah. was already ready to celebrate Tiger yeah. winning the Open, yes. man, a couple oh, yeah. weeks ago, and then oh, the British Open, he yeah. was happy, man. <laughs> he was happy. I tried to pour a little cold water on that, saying, "No, not you." Saying, "I'd be <laughs> well." I I like Tiger, I, uh, but when the day he shot sixty six, sixty one year old Bernard Langer shot sixty eight, so the course was playing fairly easy. Meanwhile, three M Championship will be out there tomorrow. Uh, the fact of the matter is it's the last ever. There's been 26th, and uh, they don't have as good a field as they usually do. Bernard didn't show up, a few others. But it's the last one, Saturday, Jack, Trevino, and player. That's probably the last time you'll see that. Plus, it's free. It's free. Come on. The last time it's going to be free. Oh, too, yeah. Get out there. Open. You know, next year we're going to, next year these are the big guys you're going to have to uh, pay for the freight. So Plus, uh, I mean, it's going to be a little bit warm, but it's going to be great weather. Plus, you can, you can take, you can relieve yourself in an official yes. 1500 ESPN toilet. Now that very nice advertising. You talk about front. free. That has no That's price. Free. Yeah, that has, has no, no price. Can't put no. a price on that one. No, I t- I'm very impressed with this advertising we have on there. Check our stream. Yes. It shows the phone there. So what did you good. say earlier? Making us old guys jealous. Yeah, <laughs> they're just talking about stream, man. <laughs> All right, we'll be back. Hey. 
Manny's showing a great sense of freedom wearing a hat in there. Uh, we know the mayor's gone. Yeah, so, the mayor's uh, not here. So the mayor's not. You can even turn that damn thing around. I don't care. <laughs> I'll, I'll go the Fernando Rodden route <laughs> yeah, just to make that. Reavers mad, too. Do that. <laughs> it is amazing how many people that irritates. I, I, you know, I get people still on Twitter mad. Oh, because yeah. I was bugged that. by it until I heard the reason. Now yeah. I'm okay with it. Even if he made it up. It was, yeah, it was, right. He's at least got a reason. Here's Johnny Hyde with the sports I, I do have buddies on Facebook who, if he blows a save, the first thing they'll mention is the on, hat. on is Facebook the hat. is the hat. Nothing mm-hmm. to do with his pitching. This update sponsored by your locally owned Domino's. Introducing Domino's Hotspots. Get pizza delivered to outdoor locations like parks, beaches, and more. Not at home? Not a problem. Visit Domino's.com for details on Domino's Hotspots. The Twins, they are off today. They'll open up a three-game three <laughs> series against the Royals at Target Field tomorrow night. There were some getaway <laughs> games today. Uh, Tampa Bay beat the Angels 4-2. to two. St. Louis edging Colorado. Tampa Bay is like three or four over now. Yep. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. They don't, they, you know that after trading Archer, they have no starting pitchers? Yeah. What? Nobody. Oh, that's they're, right. They're, piece, they're piecing it together completely now. They're, they, <laughs> wow. Every starter goes three innings. St. Louis, welcome be- to baseball. Be- That's the future. <laughs> and they play half their games at Tropicana Field. Oh, God. They had 9,000 fought their way in there last night. Or so. <laughs> St. Louis beat Colorado 3-2. to two. The White Sox beat Kansas Colorado's City. Colorado's going in the tank after playing good. Uh, Kansas City defeated by the White Sox 6-4. to four. Former twin Daniel Polka, the big blow for the Whiteys in that one. A three-run pinch hit home run. He's got 16, 16 home runs. 16 home runs. Another one! Let's do a side by side comparison one. of him and Morrison. Another one that the oh. the, the geniuses uh, let go. Uh, Father, former Twins news: uh, the Yankees have taken Sonny Gray out of their starting rotation. <laughs> He's been awful. He'll be replaced by recently acquired Lance, Lance Lynn. Lynn. Well, you know what? You know what the Yankees did with him to help him? Hmm. They said throw strikes. <laughs> and that was Girl strikes because we want these games to be shorter yes. than six hours. Yes. And he said, okay, well, nobody told me that. <laughs> <laughs> At our website, 1500ESPN.com, Matthew Collar writing about Adam Thielen. Uh, he says when you compare production of dollars, Thielen has one of the best value contracts in the NFL. Uh, Thielen won't be oh, making sure that. he's trying to stir him up to have have a holdout here. He'll, be, he'll well, be wanting he'll be wanting a new contract yes, next year. Right. Actually, he wrote this after he talked to Adam Thielen, mm-hmm. and Thielen says he won't make any noise about the deal. Uh, that deal will bring him about thirteen million over the next three years. Just uh, that's not much compared to no, say the five year seventy two mil for Stephon Diggs. Thielen said, "For me, I'm worried about football." I'm worried about coming out here and practicing and grinding every single day. That's why I pay an agent. That's why I have an agent. He takes care of that Get stuff. Get a new one. He takes care of that stuff so I don't have to worry you about it. You can buy a lot of beer in uh, Detroit Lakes for $13 million. Uh, Much longer uh, intricate story on the website. Check it out at 1500ESPN.com. Logan Morrison, uh, 14 home runs, 37 RBIs with a cool 190 batting average on the Young Campaign uh, in 88 ballgames. Daniel Polka. 15 home runs, 39 RBIs, and hitting 239 and only 74 Now 16 home runs and 42 42 RBIs RBIs. after today. He's only making $5.5 more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> the uh, speaking of wide receiver news, the Patriots looks like they will sign former Minnesota Gopher Eric Decker to a one-year deal. Adam Schefter reporting that uh, Decker will join New England after working out with the team on Monday. That's uh, good. Maybe we'll get to see some more Jesse James tweets. No kidding. <laughs> Decker's going to have about 95 yes. catches this year, too, probably. Decker's it's this big. 31. <laughs> I didn't realize Decker yeah. was that old already, but uh, I guess. Yes. He has 439 career receptions for over... Uh, 5,800 yards. Maybe the finest player of the entire Coach Brew era. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, there's a lot to pick from. <laughs> yeah. That's a are. distinction, isn't it? Yeah. What, round, what, what round did he get drafted? Second I, round? Third I round? No idea. How the hell would I know? Uh, he was a, <laughs> yeah, why would you was, know where a star I, gopher player got I picked? I, I got it for you right here. Yeah. Oh. He was a 2010 third-round draft pick third by the Broncos. Pick, yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, Link's back at it after the WNBA All-Star break. Uh, good stretch of games for him. The Sparks in Los Angeles tonight. They're at Seattle tomorrow night. Sunday, they're back at home against Atlanta and then play Chicago on the road Tuesday. How about Coach Whale and not getting to go to yeah. Italy with her golfer team because she's got to play with the Lynx? Wow. They're in Italy for seven, eight days. She's going to be sticking around. It's That's August all right. 8th. They got Curry there with them as a chaperone. That's August 8th <laughs> through the 16th. Don't worry. The, Kelly's right there to grab him by the ear. The uh, Gophers will be uh, uh, in Italy. They'll uh, visit Rome and play games in Venice and Florence. And as Patrick said, uh, Lindsay will be sticking around here to play with the links. All right, Johnny, thank you. You bet. Biggest story in American sports, and it will be for uh, several days here. Urban Meyer, the highest paid coach in the country until Nick Saban's uh, con- uh, contract uh, kicks in. Uh, Urban Meyer, Ohio State football coach, has uh, been placed on administrative leave after Wednesday's revelation that in all likelihood he knew about uh, the uh, domestic abuse problems that Zach Smith had as recently as uh, 2015. And in fact, there's been other uh, things. He fired Zach Smith a couple of weeks ago, but uh, the, the questions become, uh, was he lying when he said he didn't know about the 2015 accusations? Uh, we have with us... Amy Loricella, she is a local attorney, and uh, she has been advocating for victims of violence since 2012 and practicing employment law since 2009. Amy, uh, you've read about the uh, Ohio State situation. Is it a familiar pattern here of of people uh, not wanting to confront or uh, give the consequences to their buddies? Hi, Pat. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, so I work for an organization called Standpoint where victims call us for legal advice uh, through a hotline that we have that runs daily. And I can tell you we get those calls on a fairly regular basis that um, their employers have learned or should have learned that abuse was happening and choose to do nothing or just actively look the other way. Yeah, this is uh, this is an amazing situation. There's a uh, you know that it it broke uh, by a reporter named Brett McMurphy on Facebook because he'd got he'd gotten fired by ESPN a while back, and he's about to uh, go to a a new uh, outfit. and uh, And the wife Courtney uh, Smith was on uh, did an interview on Stadium dot com yesterday. So what uh, I mean. This is, uh, things haven't, doesn't seem like things have changed that much as far as how people try to cover this stuff up. 
Yeah, um, unfortunately, you know, some sometimes, you know, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt where sometimes they might not recognize what they're seeing as, as abuse, and so they don't know if they want to get involved. But, um, you know, ultimately, unfortunately, our society is still one where people like to shrug this off and say, I don't know, that's family business, it's private, uh, it doesn't have an effect. He's a great employee. You know, it doesn't hurt my business, and they and they choose not to get involved when they really should. And uh, you were telling me uh, we talked earlier today that uh, uh, companies uh, really pay the price for uh, turning uh, turning a blind eye to this stuff. Absolutely. Um, I mean, when it comes to the cost, the annual cost in lost productivity due to domestic violence, we're talking $730 million or so annually that's lost. There's, you know, that's not even including the billions of dollars that is spent every year on medical and mental health care services. Um, and the other piece that I think is really interesting and, and unique to this situation specifically is it actually, you know, the, the perpetrators themselves are impacted and they have an impact on their employers too. Um, in many cases, I, I, there are studies out there where supervisors were aware of perpetrator behavior and they don't do anything about it. And perpetrators have admitted that, you know, 50% of the time they were late or they missed work, it's because of their abusive behavior. Uh, three quarters of perpetrators sur surveyed said they'd used workplace resources to commit the abuse, whether it's through email or um, other workplace resources, their car that they used to stock, you know. There's a lot of different ways that even though the behavior itself a lot of the time does happen um, in the home, there's still a lot of involvement on, on behalf of the employer. So The, tra the tradition in sports has been for uh, a, a wife, uh, generally of an athlete, to call the police and make a report and then to recant when uh, she is, uh, you know, something that the husband came comes back and makes the traditional promises and the whole thing. You, you were a little surprised. Uh, you said that Ohio State acted this quickly to put Meyer on administrative leave. Yeah, it's not something that we're seeing as much of. Um, you know, it, it, I certainly understand wanting to give people the benefit of the doubt, and, and um, you know, it's, it is a best practice to put people on administrative leave while an investigation is happening. So um, it's, it's nice to see that Ohio State is taking this seriously. And, of course, they have the other problem going on right now, too, with the doctor who uh, committed suicide in the mid-2005 or so, uh, who uh, was uh, apparently molesting wrestlers there, and those yeah. charges have come. So they've, they're kind of in the middle of scandal here, and they probably uh, did have to act uh, quickly. What, uh, you know, how is, is society, from what you can tell, or people you're dealing with, are the are the are the are the men involved when one of their buddies is doing this? Are they more likely now to uh, to tell the truth and say, uh, yeah, this is uh, something's got to be done about this, or is it still as bad as it was as far as us covering up for guys? I mean, I I I have to believe that it is getting better. This is you know what I do day in day out and what I've devoted my career to. So um, I would love to see myself out of a job if we can continue on this same track. To be honest, but what I can say is, uh, you know, bystander intervention is kind of a term for it, where it's being taught now as it relates to campus sexual assaults, where if you see something that doesn't seem right, you know, you you insert yourself. We've um, historically been a society, and in particular up here in Minnesota where I was born and raised, you know, we don't like to insert ourselves when we don't really know what's going on. Um, 
But so those trainings, those types of bystander intervention trainings have proved really effective on college campuses as it relates to assault. And then some employers are starting to do that now too, that really they're, they're empowering their employees to report, to get involved, to um, you know, try to help them be the eyes and ears of the organization um, so that we can really move forward as a society. Are uh, female victims uh, more likely to uh, stand by their accusations uh, than they were uh, in the past? Could you tell from that? I mean, uh, it, you know, that it's famous, uh, as yeah. I said, in sports and, and everywhere that uh, uh, you, the cops come, they... Uh, calm down the situation and two days later the woman doesn't want to uh, file charges is that is that now now there are the the police can file the charges anyway now but do you uh, do you think the women are being more uh, straightforward about this you know honestly I don't know that it's that it's particularly gendered um, I mean women are certainly the more the, the majority of these crimes sure. do happen to women yes. so by, by nature of just that happening it, it's true but um, it entirely depends on the situation there are so many um, people in positions where they are utterly and completely in con- they're controlled by their abuser and so they might in a panic where they are fearful of their lives they might reach out to the police but um, the second that those police go and that perpetrator you know either it's, whether it's through his friends or uh, electronic communication or in person is able to establish his control again um, it's really common it's really really common for victims to change their stories because it's just not safe for them otherwise it's it's going to be interesting to uh, certainly see how the public reacts to this because uh, football fans in a town like columbus are completely psychotic and uh you know as far as uh, the buckeyes are the most important thing there this coach has been tremendously successful but but if he got out and, and if he got up and flat out lied, which it's, uh, there certainly are indications that's what happened uh, last uh-huh. week, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the public uh, handles this. Uh, will they take it as a lesson and uh, become more forceful in uh, reporting these things, or will it uh, will it turn out having a negative consequence? I don't know. Right. Right. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I grew up in a football-loving home, and, you know, still to this day, um, my husband is a diehard football fan. Unfortunately, because of all of the scandals that have arisen in football, both NCAA and also um, at the professional level at NFL, it's been really hard for me to continue to be a fan. But seeing things like this where action finally is being taken to try to do right by victims, by the people in our communities who we engage with every day, um, you know, I have hope. I have hope that I can one day return back to the sport, and I'm, I hope that the, the fans of Ohio State and um, football in general see the value in really, you know, holding people accountable for the human rights abuses of others. Well, uh, Amy, it uh, is, uh, is the... Uh is the workload as great as ever uh, in the in the domestic abuse era, the viol- violence against others area? Yeah, I mean, that still absolutely happens more often than it should. Uh, there's there's definitely evidence that it is going down, um, but at the same time, you know, we still have a lot of work to do in our communities. All right, Amy, and uh, you work a lot with the Minnesota Coalition for Battered Women, and uh, if if somebody's having a, a problem here, that's a good place to start. Absolutely. They can call Standpoint. We have a hotline that people can call. Uh, Day One is a great resource that's 24 hours. Otherwise, the Minnesota Coalition for Battered Women will certainly um, connect anyone who's having issues with domestic violence to uh, the resources that they deserve. All right, Amy. Thank you. 
Yeah, happy to be here. All right, Amy Laricella, she is a uh, local lawyer, attorney with the uh, uh, outfit called Standpoint, which helps uh, victims of violence. And uh, she's an attorney who's been in that field since 2012. And also, in, you know, if you're an employer who has uh, uh, problems with this and aren't quite sure to know how to go about doing it, you could also call Standpoint. Uh, we'll be back. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history. The bassist uh, behind uh, Marvin Gaye there is James Jamerson, and he is considered to be the uh, greatest bassist of them all. And I bring this up. He died on this day, August uh, 2nd, 1983. Uh, But if you have not seen the documentary Standing in the Shadows of Motown featuring the Funk Brothers, who were the backup band, basically, uh, for uh, Barry Gordy and all the Motown hits. Uh, you you haven't lived. I this haven't great, seen it. What's this it called is again? The, the Standing in the Shadows of Motown. It's about okay. the Funk Brothers. I think three or four of them were still alive at the time. I don't know how many are. Uh, but Jamerson played the bass behind My Girl, You Keep Me Hanging On. Uh, what's going on? Dancing in the street. Unbelievable uh, string of hits. And they tell some great Jamerson stories in this, too. I think one of the guys says he had a fondness. He had a taste for corn liquor. And he had a, uh, he, had a he basically was an alcoholic. But uh, all when the when the bass players talk about the greatest ever, most of them say Jamerson. And he had a... a some, he had the strong finger to uh, pick the bass. And oh, it was, sure. It was, uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. And, of course, I have a special fondness for standing in the shadows of Motown. It was the last time I ever saw my man, Dark Star. He was over at the house. We were watching TV, watching a game. And I said, have you seen this yet? And we sat there and watched it till 1.30 in the morning. Fantastic. And, uh, two days later, I got the word that he had passed away. So, All right. 